Welcome, beautiful humans, to Empowered Sobriety. I am your host, Lindsay Fauna. And I'm your other host, Abigail Gerber. We are both trauma-informed life coaches in hopes of empowering individuals to see beyond their addiction and recovery into compassion, love, acceptance, and freedom. Empowered Sobriety is a podcast for those considering sobriety, are newly sober, or already living a sober life and wanting to up-level their growth in sobriety. Each week, we'll be dropping episodes discussing topics such as childhood traumas, PTSD, sober dating, and sober sex, how to enjoy the social scene, and is AA the only path to sobriety, plus so much more, along with bringing on other sober coaches that have done deep transformational work like we have, we are also hoping to bring on anyone who feels called to be coached on air by us. Welcome back to Empowered Sobriety Podcast. It is your girl, Lindsay, and I'm here with Abby, and we are so excited to be here today with you. We're always very excited to be here with you. Oh, yeah. Today, we are discussing being the sober partner in relationships. Yes. I feel as though this one is a big one for especially the those of us who are new to sobriety and navigating mm-hmm. that landscape and being the only sober one in the relationship. Yeah. And again, when you get sober, I mean, I got sober at 24 and that's, you know, pretty, that's relatively young. Yeah. I would say just guessing that a lot of people get sober in relationship. Yeah, that's very true. They they come to that conclusion, they come to that decision on their own and while in partnership. Not only is your sobriety for you, right? It's affecting how you show up in your world and in your life, but it's also shifting a dynamic within a partnership. And that's that's huge. That's not just a single entity that's two things, you know, and I know that it was challenging for me. So we're here to discuss it. How so? How was it challenging for you? Yeah. Again, to me, when I first got sober, it was merely removing alcohol from my life. For me, picking up alcohol and drinking it, that is what I was removing from my life. I was no longer actively participating in the consumption of alcohol. That was what it was for me to be sober and get sober at that time. I remember being in like my first week of sobriety. I didn't know what it meant. All I knew was like, okay, 90 days. Like I have 90 days. That was what was on my brain was like, I just have to do this for 90 days. I have to make it for 90 days. And so maybe because I thought that there was like an end to it, it was a little bit slightly less uncomfortable for me to get started because there was like this hope that at some point I would reconnect with alcohol. I remember being in the first week, we went out to a restaurant, me, my partner, and his friend, they were just drinking beers. They were sipping on some brews. And we were just sitting there. Sipping on brewskis with the broskis. (laughs) That's kind of how my life went for at least the 
first two years of me being sober was I was still showing up with my partner to events, dinners, outings, wherever we were going. And everything was still happening exactly the same minus the fact of me drinking. So the challenging part is like, I used to be participating in this. And so I was actively in my addiction and again, using this substance to suppress and escape and have a personality and feel comfortable to be in these group settings and whatever. And now that's been removed. And it's like, it's not even something that you're consciously doing, but you almost snap into observer mode. Hmm. As a sober person, you are now, I mean, what else do you have to do besides observe the people around you and the things that are happening around you? Because no matter what, as a sober person, when you are not using any substances to alter your state of being and everyone else around you is partaking in that, not saying that everyone has an addiction, but we're at an event where that's happening. As long as drinks are flowing, people are becoming more and more inebriated. So it's like you start to separate from the group because you're over here as a sober person. And then all these people are intoxicated at this point. And it's just not the same vibe. No matter what, it's not the same vibe. And how did that feel newly sober in your 90 days, slowly separating from the group? Scary. Scary in the sense of like, I'm not sure how I can participate in this forever. I don't know how long I can participate in this. After I got sober, I participated for a really long time as a sober person. My partner's drinking became an issue for me. I don't know if that was stemming from a place of jealousy or a place of genuinely not wanting to be in a partnership where I'm having to take care of someone while they've been drinking when I don't drink anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. What were some of the things that you noticed were different? Mm. I was the one in the relationship or in the partnership that required a lot more attention when they were drinking because I was always throwing curveballs. Like we never knew what it was going to be like, what that night was going to be like. A lot of times it was like, I didn't think about the other person because I was more worried about my drinking than anything. And then when I took that away and then it was solely focused on this other person when we were going out and when we were going to events and things, I just couldn't handle it. I just really genuinely couldn't handle it. That was really when I started to question, can I do this forever? Mm -hmm. Can I be in an environment where alcohol is so prominent all the time, like any time that we do anything? What I know to be true today for me, because I've learned boundaries, (laughs) (laughs) is I'm okay showing up in those places. I'm okay being in those spaces, but I have a maximum time limit. Mm -hmm. 
it's not the only thing that I want to be doing in my life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I use this analogy all the time, but it's like stepping onto a a new planet, Mm -hmm. you know, or you're moving to a new state. Yeah. With all new restaurants, shopping areas, highways, you know, it's all, it's all different. It's all very different. Yeah. Yeah. And then to be in a relationship where you have your patterns, where you have like your normal, we're going to go out on a Friday, you know, a happy hour for, you know, my ex-husband and I was a big thing. And then you get sober. I mean, were you just still patterning? Were you still going to restaurants, going to concerts, you know, going to friends' houses and just doing the same things, except you just didn't drink? Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Everything was exactly the same. It was just that I wasn't partaking in the alcohol consumption. Okay. But everything else was the same. Oh, and I got to drive because- (laughs) Oh, I got to. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? I still, to this day- take a lot of almost like pride maybe in being a sober driver because when I was drinking <laughs> Lindsay wasn't giving a fuck okay she was she was driving no matter what yeah even after a DUI mm-hmm. and irresponsible and also common um sorry <laughs> yes very very common, very, very common. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely but now I'm like yeah, I get to drive people around when I, cause I'm sober and they're drinking and I get to keep, you know, like as much as I don't have control over other people on the road, but I know that I get to drive these people who are intoxicated sober. Like I'm the sober driver and I, all of my functions are functioning and mm-hmm. I, you know, I take a lot of pride in that now. Um, I noticed that I actually started to feel guilt about the fact that my partner Mm -hmm. no longer got to enjoy a glass of wine or sit down and have a beer with his partner anymore. Mm. Couldn't be like lighthearted and fun. I tried my best. I did. But there was just this like sense and feeling of guilt for not partaking in that anymore and like not really wanting to. And when I started to vocalize, like, you know, I just would remove myself from things a lot Mm -hmm. or I would just like leave him Mm -hmm. at parties or places and be like, like, I'm ready to go. And he'd be like, can we? And then it would turn into this like bargaining with one another, like, well, I want to go. And he'd be like, well, I want to stay. And there was some moment in the relationship where I said, okay, that's fine. I'm going to go. And he didn't want me to go, but I needed to go. Yeah. So then once that first time I left him, it was like every time I was like, peace out. Like it wasn't even like I'm asking him to come with me anymore. It was like, I'm out. Like, okay, see you later. You know, like you'll figure out you're an adult. You'll figure out how to get home. It just, the progression of it was just over the years it was, you know, happening because I got sober at 24 and we broke up when I was 29. Okay. So it was for quite some time. Yeah. When you look back with the gift of hindsight, Mm. would you have done 
some of the same things or would you have changed? For listeners who are going through it right now. No, I wouldn't change anything. Okay. There was a lot of self-discovery in it. Mm -hmm. Learning how to advocate for myself. Mm -hmm. Learning how to use my voice. Learning that a relationship is not being enmeshed with one another at all times. As an anxious attachment, being able to leave this person at an event, a party, a get-together and take care of myself and take myself home. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't know it then, but I know it now that that was such a big step in the direction of me coming home to myself. Mm. Everything that happened as messy and fucking whatever as it was, was exactly the way that it needed to happen. Mm. Okay. Yeah. No regrets. <laughs> no regrets. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really a life coachable moment there because it's all information. You had to go through what she had to go through in order to get to where you are today. I think I've mentioned this before, but Brene Brown talks about regret as having the information that you have now and then going back into the past and beating yourself over the head with it. I do that more with like my relationship with myself than anything else. Mm -hmm. But no, I try my hardest not to place any blame on anybody else and like just see where... I can take accountability and responsibility for like my part. Mm -hmm. I decided to get sober. Mm -hmm. I chose that for myself. You know, I decided and I changed the dynamic in the relationship. I shifted everything. It's freaking hard. It is so hard to change a dynamic like that. Yes, it is. Even if we were like, hey, listen, this is freaking hard. This is challenging. And together we're both committing to like rewiring this and reworking this to work for both of us. Because for him, he understood exactly who he is. He's like, this is who I am. This is just, you know, like I'm not living any other way. I don't have any other way that I want to live. I have these goals and I'm working towards them and this is what I'm doing. And shit, when I got sober, I was like, oh, who am I? (laughs) Who's this person? Like, It was literally the first time in my life. It felt like the first time in my life that I was getting to know myself. Mm. I woke up and this veil was lifted and I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Where am I? What is happening? Like, what's, you know, like, and it was like, it was literally like I was relearning parts of life that I was just completely numbed out and asleep to. I've heard it been said, and it was true for me, when you get sober, like you wake up at the age that you started kind of addicting, you know, Mm -hmm. or that you started participating in the escapism. And for me, that was 13. It was like, I woke up at 24 and was like, I mean, there were so many things that I was like, oh, like this is how uncomfortable I felt at 13. Now I have to like be with this. Whoa, yeah. How do I be with this thing that I was experiencing at 13, this uncomfortable in my own skinness? 
And now I'm 24, I'm sober, and I'm like, holy shit, I have a life. Like, I drive a fucking car. I, like, go to – and I know that's, like, really extreme, but it's, like, you wake up and you're in this life and you're, like, whoa, like, okay, I have to relearn how to be in the world in this way. Because even though I wasn't drinking every day, no matter what, I was in escapism. I was suppressing. I was so uncomfortable skin crawling in my life and with any sort of emotion. Mm-hmm. Now you're sober and you're like, okay, well, this is this time showing up in this. And that's why support is so important, especially people that are sober because they can, they're like, yep, yeah, I get it. I understand it. You know, like, yes, you're right where you need to be. Everything you're experiencing is normal. Having a partner where you're like, hey, everything's changing for me. So many things are new and I'm having a hard time and I'm still trying to show up in this relationship as this person that you knew me as. Mm-hmm. It's like, eh, it's, it's hard. I'm like carrying a lot of different trays and plates and things and, you know, and it's like, okay. And after, as long as, you know, we tried to manage that and, we tried to work through things. At the end of the day, I couldn't handle it. So what do you mean you couldn't handle it? What does that mean? Mm, maybe that wasn't the right choice of words. I was no longer willing to put forth effort and try to figure out how to rework the relationship mm-hmm. to take care of my needs. Mm-hmm. And for it to look a way that like I genuinely wanted it to look because when I got into the relationship, the way that I wanted it to look or how I thought it was, was like so much different than when I was, you know, now one, two, three, four years sober. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I really tried. I really wanted it to. I also understood that there was a part of me that was partaking or participating in certain events or things to please him. Mm -hmm. Very normal. Yeah. My whole body, I was having a somatic reaction at these events and at these things. And I wasn't taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. So when you weren't taking care of yourself, how did you cope in those situations without alcohol? I was, I was a fiery little bitch. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. Lots of, lots of, Anger, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. lots of projection, Mm -hmm. lots of resentment and blame, and cigarettes. Okay. Yep. Yep. There's always something else we use, some other substance we use to cope. Yeah. Which is a very normal behavior Mm -hmm. given everything that we've been through. And it takes time. I mean, I'm dealing with a sugar. I call it like my childhood coping mechanism. So there was always food or kombucha (laughs) that I would go to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was anger and cigarettes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Projection, too, is not taking responsibility, you know, Mm self-responsibility. So, yeah, I understand Mm -hmm. that. Did that. Check. (laughs) 
go ahead and put that on the list. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, like when you're sober, especially because I was like already, I had already went to Christine's retreat. I had done all these things where I was like getting myself into personal development. And so I would always reflect on how I treated him or how I showed up. And then I would just be like, man, like that was my stuff, not yours, you know? And like, you're living your life how you want to, like you're having fun, you're enjoying yourself. You want these things. And like, I'm at this place in my life where there's a crossroads and I'm saying, I got to go deeper. Yeah. I want more. Mm -hmm. And I want more self-discovery. Like I want to get to know myself so freaking intimately, (laughs) you know, like I want to know what I desire and I want to have a voice and I want to align myself with things in life that I truly desire. And I didn't know what that was at that time. Still, there were some things, but still there was a lot of question marks and things that I didn't know questions that were, you know, unanswered and it wasn't aligned anymore. We weren't on the same path anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for going deep into that. I appreciate that. That's like the life coaching part of the podcast. It's just not too people talking into a a microphone about some things. We've got, you know, a lot of awareness and willing to go deeper and really look Mm -hmm. at the root of things and not just say, well, I just couldn't stand anymore. And so I left. Well, what does that mean? Right. Right. You know, to really personalize the experience. So I appreciate your vulnerability for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. How was it for you? Gift of hindsight. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I got sober in my marriage and because my addiction was more out loud, was more colorful, was more. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. Colorful. Colorful. (laughs) Yeah. Mine was just very obvious that I had an issue with it. I would, you know, control it. Everything would be fine. And then it would get out of hand, you know, probably the last, I don't know, maybe two years before I decided to go sober, it had really calmed down a lot. But like I've always said, I drank every day. I didn't drink a lot, but I drank every day. Whereas you know, after my dad died, the first two years after my dad died was an absolute dumpster fire, shit show, obvious grief, abuse on, you know, me towards him, you know, just a shit show. And then it, you know, and then it, it calmed down for sure. It wasn't so dramatic, but it was in my life every day. So mm-hmm. I needed to quit drinking. I was really unhappy. So was he. But the one thing that I knew for me, after years of the cleansing, the sober Octobers, the dry Januaries, not drinking made me feel better. And it didn't make me so volatile. I had started doing yoga. And so I was already starting to calm my mind. Meditation, no, I wasn't sitting in meditation. I simply was just going to yoga. I've talked about Mm -hmm. many times before, but... So when I got sober, it was a really good thing for our marriage. It was really, really good. I have always said that it was my love letter to him because it was like, I wanted to work on it. So beautiful. 
It is. And looking back, I wasn't seeing the forest through the trees. Mm -hmm. The marriage was over. It was over. And I was trying to breathe life. You know, (laughs) this sounds terrible, but I had an old therapist say about not one of my relationships, but somebody I know, like, this relationship is so dead, it doesn't even stink anymore. (laughs) It's so bad. It's like, but we laugh as a family because I feel like people will know. Now, I can't really say that about about my marriage, no, because we have such great love for each other. But he and I both talk very often, not saying anything out of turn, that that it was over before I got sober. But I still did the old college try and tried to hang in there. I just want to reflect something really quick. Yeah. When I said that the love letter was beautiful. Yeah. Whatever it was. Yeah. It got you there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what's beautiful. I feel like it's such a big piece of why you guys still share so much love for one another mm-hmm. and have such a beautiful relationship. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like that call to love, that call to him for you to stand in sobriety. Whatever got you there, it got you there. Yeah. And at the time, yeah. I didn't know the marriage was over. Like I said, the gift right. of hindsight. I didn't know it. I didn't mm. realize it. So it was my Hail Mary, Hail Mm -hmm. Mary pass to be like, okay, let's work on this. And I even remember, you know, I started listening to Christine Asler's podcast. I started really seeing who I was. I look back on that. That was compassion. I started to accept myself. Yeah, I have control issues. Of course I have control issues because of all the marriages on all sides of my family that I saw. My marriage reflected the marriage that my parents had, the marriage that my grandparents had, you know, that my aunt and uncle had. I married somebody who helped me fit that role. So we were playing our parts. We were on this road together, playing our parts. And then I got sober and I went left. Which is amazing because it, it woke us both up in a, in a lot of ways. Certainly woke me up. However, I got sober, but I was still playing my part. So all I did was I just took a piece out of it. You know, like I took off a bracelet, but I was still in this patterning. So I wanted him to be sober too, because I felt deep, deep sadness. I felt really alone. For anyone who's listening that feels that, that's not because of your marriage. It's from a long time ago that you brought into your marriage. I really stand by that. He didn't make me lonely. I felt alone and I felt alone a long time before he even came along. Same therapist that said the, that one terrible thing. He passed away a couple of years ago. He was a fantastic therapist. I love that. Yeah. I've even, in my coaching sessions, I've taken some mannerisms of him because he would get really excited when you had an epiphany about something and he would like, like rub his hands together and like, because you're like, oh no, what, what now? (laughs) He's beautiful. Yeah. He was, he was, he was a beautiful, beautiful therapist. But he said, a marriage is two whole people coming together. 
not mm. two halves coming together. Mm. Say it again for him. Say it again. <laughs> a marriage is two whole people, not two halves becoming one. To become one. (laughs) (laughs) Spice Girls, that's really dysfunctional. (laughs) Baby Spice, I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's really dysfunctional. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that. Uh, So I was a half of a person, he was a half a person, and we functioned together quite well. And then when you get sober, you know, the game changes and all of my previous stuff just started coming out and I started seeing a lot more and really being a lot more compassionate. I wasn't like, Abby, you're being so compassionate about yourself. I just see that now as like, it's compassionate. I didn't have that much awareness. (laughs) Yes. Now that we know. Now that we know. it was (laughs) Yeah, it was compassionate. Yeah. So I just looked at him and was like, can you just let me know when I'm being controlling? Because I can't always Mm. see, you know, so I was really willing to work on it. And we tried couples therapy. That wasn't working out. So (laughs) uh, the analogy I always use or the metaphor is it's like I moved to a different state and we were just in two different places. We wanted two different things. And just like you too, I didn't want the life that we created anymore. That wasn't for me. It wasn't enough. I'm wondering if that for me, that statement will change over the years. It wasn't enough. Kind of want to dig into that a little bit. It's not that it wasn't enough. I just wasn't interested in the happy hours. When we went camping, I wanted to really like be in the woods and not just sit yeah. around, you know, drink Coors Light and smoke cigarettes. You know, there, I wanted different things. And one thing that I was thinking about when you were sharing your experience is we come into relationships expecting people to meet our needs. Mm-hmm. And when I got sober, I wanted him to meet these needs of mine that he couldn't. Like I set him up for failure. Not intentionally. Well, no, but that's what it is because you're expecting people to meet your needs. Correct. And when you get sober, your needs change. They do. Hmm. Let me think about that for a second because I don't know if my needs changed per se, except I realized it was more obvious that I wanted him to meet these needs that I needed to be meeting for myself. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. it just became more out loud like the codependency became more out loud and he Mm. couldn't meet needs that I needed to meet myself and I couldn't meet needs that he needed to meet himself. Got it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, I get that. And I think take away my word needs and insert values. The values Mm. changed. Yeah. Because, you know, when you were in the marriage, Mm -hmm. your guys' values aligned. Mm -hmm. Just like, mm-hmm. you know, mine were the same. And then when you get sober, you know, you reevaluate <laughs> your value system. Even without you knowing that that's what's happening, your values are changing and shifting. Yes. And when they're doing that, they're not aligning with that person anymore. Yeah. I started having values. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Didn't have them for that one, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have them before. <laughs> Same girl. 
Yeah. I know. I looked at him and said, what are your values? Yeah. Okay. Those are mine too. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Oh, yeah. 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 We all do it. Yeah. We yeah. all do it. There's always yeah. a level of codependency yeah. somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some marriages, I know very close people to me, they have very different lives. They're fine with it. They're they're mm-hmm. great with it. For me and what I want, I wanted somebody who was, who was, yeah, just into the same, more of the same things. I mean, we, we kind of were, but not quite to the degree that I wanted. Yeah. And so, you know, we made the decision to separate and we took a trial separation for, you know, 90 days and I moved out. And then we, you know, had the discussion coming back and nothing had changed. Things just became more clear. Yeah. That's really that's really what it was. We certainly have even post divorce tried to come back together because we have we have this love that sometimes yeah. it's hard to um it's like, well, why doesn't this work? We talk about it I sometimes, you know, a couple, you know, a couple times. Like sometimes we talk about it a couple times. That was like the weirdest sentence ever. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> brain break right we have (laughs) spoken about it a few times (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's like oh we have this great love for each other but it just doesn't work yeah we just don't want the same things and I love that one thing that I have learned that I really kind of why I wanted to talk about this and we've mentioned it before is you can't drag somebody into sobriety like Mm -hmm. if your partner has addictions that's their stuff. That's their path that's to be handled with their God or spiritual leader. It's their journey. It's their journey. And I understand how difficult it is. I understand how lonely you must feel because I get it. I understand that. And it's their journey. If they want to be sober, they will do it and they will not do it a moment sooner. I remember beating my ex-husband over the head about uh, cigarette smoking because I quit, I think, a few months before he did. And I remember just beating him over the head. And he didn't do it. He didn't quit smoking until he was ready. And then he, then he didn't smoke, you know? Yeah. But it wasn't because I was berating him. That doesn't do anybody right. any good to do that. <laughs> so right. you have to right. invite people into the work. Same thing with like, even if you don't identify with having an addiction or you're just listening to this for personal development, you have to invite people into the work for personal development work. You got to do your own thing and work out the loneliness that comes with it because it's not because you're the only one doing it. It's because that loneliness is already inside of you and mm-hmm. finding a way to connect mm-hmm. to the earth, to your spirituality, to your community, to your support group is like the best thing that you can do for yourself. Absolutely. And to that, the invitation for people is for you to live it, for you to embody it. We cannot teach what we do not know and what we have not lived. The best way to understand who is going to keep on rocking with you as you go through life and who's going to align and who's going to accept and who wants to see you win for yourself is to do what you want to do for yourself, for your personal development, for your growth, for your healing, and for your joy 
and you will notice who supports you in that and who is willing to be in conversation with you and be in your presence with you as you are getting to know yourself better. Because I feel like that's a huge part of sobriety is is getting to know yourself. Mm, yes, it is. It's falling in love with yourself. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it can be lonely. And that's why support is so important. There's a lot of shifts and changes that come. And there's a lot of deaths and rebirths mm-hmm. of who you are. And relationships, they are going to come and go. And without a doubt, without a doubt in my mind, your tribe, the people that support you, your partner, your life partner that you desire, it's all there for you. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah, it is. It really is. Thank you for mentioning that because it sparked a few things for me. I mean, you can do things alone. Absolutely. You're capable of it, but you're making it real hard on yourself. Take it from Lindsay and I. Like, honestly, take it from us. Don't go this alone. Don't do it. (laughs) Yeah. When I met Lindsay, it was just like, kaboom. You know, it's somebody who knows what I know and feels what I feel and can support me and... I can support her and it feels so good mm-hmm. to have that. I think this is going to hit some people and and hopefully if it doesn't hit you now, it'll hit you later. Before I got sober, I followed the Instagram hashtags, hashtag sober and hashtag sober AF. And there were sparkly, shiny people posting on Instagram. I wanted that life. There was something that I was attracted to sobriety, the way... I mean, I know it's social media and, you know, they weren't showing me everything, but I don't, there was something about it. I don't know. It didn't, it doesn't matter. It's what got me. It doesn't matter. It's what got me on this journey. And it's whatever I put on what sober, what I assumed sober people were. And mm-hmm. I feel sparkly and shiny a lot of times, maybe not this morning yeah. with little puppy eyes, but <laughs> I feel sparkly and shiny. And I have friends in my life who because of the work I've done, they're noticing things. I'm inviting them into the work. Hopefully I'm not judging them into the work, but I'm inviting them into the work and to look a little bit deeper at themselves just by me being in the world. I've gotten clients just by me being in the world. I haven't advertised to you or anything. It's just they're they're like, oh, I like what she has to say. I like whatever they saw. They just came up to me and wanted to work with me, which is really neat, actually. I think it's way better than advertising to somebody. So mm-hmm. my ex-husband is so supportive of me. He's so supportive of me. And he didn't want what I wanted. There's parts mm-hmm. of him that do, and there's parts of him that just don't. And that's okay. That's okay. It allows me and for my next partner to just, this is who I am. This is who I am, and I invite you to to do the work. I think my next partner, I will probably have somebody who's interested in personal development 
in some mm-hmm. capacity because it's, you know, it's my, it's, I live and breathe that. I mean, they don't <laughs> need to be like, like me. Actually, I don't want somebody who's exactly like me. Yeah. I think it's being sober, you're stepping into a, a new world and you will attract people. I promise you, because I, I did, I'm talking to somebody right now. She attracted me. I attracted her. And a lot of my friends now, they came into my world. So there's a little bit of trust that you got to have that the right people will show up for you. I promise you, because it happened to me. And I was the lone wolf. Didn't do AA, didn't do support groups. Didn't do, I did it all by myself. And it was really lonely until I was like, I kind of need a tribe around me. Actually, one of my friends was like, you need a tribe. And I was like, okay, I need a tribe. And then it just started mm-hmm. attracting people. So you will, mm-hmm. you will find it. Yeah. And the people who aren't part of your path, it falls away. Just like the rocket ship yes. with the boosters just fall away. They just fall away. <laughs> and the people that when I first got sober aren't there, some of them aren't there. Or after I first, you know, my got divorced, they're not there and they're on their journey and I love them and they were there for me when they needed to be. So mm-hmm. it really is a journey. It's so cliche, but it is a journey. So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Really. It's so helpful. Yeah. Hopefully it hits somebody. um, Just one. Absolutely. All it takes is one. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that you both decided to separate and that you can still, like I said, have so much love for one another and respect for one another and really want the best. Oh, Oh, yeah. For Mm -hmm. one another. Those types of uncouplings and divorces are not necessarily highlighted or shared. And so for you to, you know, share this journey with him, with everyone here, myself included, like that's yeah, super powerful. So thank you. Yeah. I've, uh, <laughs> I've asked him, I was like, do you want to be on the podcast? And he's like, well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would actually love him to be on the podcast because I want, I just want to hear him say, like, honestly, like, it doesn't bother me. Like, it doesn't bother me. I know who I was back then, you know? I know. I know. I'm okay. I'm okay with it. (laughs) Just to get an insider view. We'll see. I'll work on it. We'll see what he says. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening, for supporting us week after week. We thank you so much. We're building our little community. You can catch us on the Instas at Empowered Sobriety Podcast. Lindsay and I both have our separate businesses. So if you want to work with us and be coached by us, we would love to have you. And if you want to be on the podcast for a support call, we would love to have you as well. It's free. Free resource. Free resource. (laughs) Free resource. So profesh. And with that, we love you. We love you too. (laughs) See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to Empowered Sobriety. We are nothing without our community. If you'd like to be coached by us on air or have any questions, email us at empoweredsobrietypodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram at Empowered Sobriety Podcast.